I picked Pastor up this morning, and the preacher talked about those preachers that he just just doesn't do well together with because they're always talking about their newest toy and the nicest thing. I, I picked him up in my fancy car this morning, and we talked about the expensive things of life. And uh, as we're coming to church this morning, uh, preacher mentioned how much of encouragement with Arbo was. Yeah. So, man, I could just listen to him tell stories forever. I think I, I think when we get to heaven, uh, I'm hoping his mansion's near mine. Uh, well, I'll probably get there before him. He's going to live to 180. But uh, I'm going to go there and just, just hear some more stories the rest of the time. But I'm excited to hear him preach. And for those of you that don't know Brother Arbo well, and don't, I know you've heard some this week, and, and I, I haven't known him well for long, but I, I've learned enough of the, the, the history uh, of his service for the Lord to know that uh, what God has done already in the last 50 years uh, through the ministry of Brother Arbo is something that doesn't happen much in our country. And uh, some of the exciting stories and things that we've heard, and uh, I, I, I hear those stories, and I want to say, God, do it again. And uh, I'm excited tonight, or this afternoon, as he gets to talk to us and preach to us again. Preacher, thank you so very much. Thank you. Honored to do so. Well, amen. Thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for the opportunity. To be honest, I'm very, uh, very humbled uh, to be able to put my uh, my last two cents worth in. I shouldn't say last. I do plan to live a few more years. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, take your Bibles. I'm going to pussyfoot for a while here. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24. Acts chapter 20. I do something. Again, it's not original with me. Learned it from my daddy. Every year, I pick a uh, I pick a theme for my life or a thought for my life, for me, not for anybody else, just for me. We have a theme we've, uh, for for years, for most of my years of pastoring. We had a theme every year. That sometimes it's great, sometimes it's a struggle, but it's a good idea. Yeah, I like it. But I pick a theme for myself, and often I go to the scriptures. Uh, to uh, do some searching to come up with and pray about it. And this was a no-brainer right here. This is 2024, and I'm looking at Acts 2024. I won't forget that one. I'll have to look at it briefly. I may, I may use this as a text here when we're moving forward. But it says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. What a thought. Amen. Now for me, if, if you want to borrow that verse, that's okay. But that's my verse for the year. I need that. Because I'll be honest with you, again, we're talking about, I can't use that word, transition. <laughs> we're talking about foundation for the, those who follow and can I say this again? I th is there anyone in this room that's 77 years old? Jim Price? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's looking 77. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. Maybe $5 after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my soul. So I just wanted to clarify that because someone suggested there may be somebody older than me. So just wanted to check that out. But what I'm saying is this. When, if, if you think, okay, I've been a Christian. I, I was saved when I was eight. I think, I, I think that's 68 years now, 68 plus a little bit, that I've been a Christian. And can I say this with all sincerity? I'm, I'm one guy, one man, 
but it does not get easier as the years go by. When you get older, the temp temptations, you know what? Most of my friends, most of my, and many of my pastor friends are spending the winter in Florida in a Winnebago. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that's wrong. But all I'm saying is it's, it's very easy to just let the pedal up. It's very easy to just not get involved. Especially being a pastor, you've seen the issues and the troubles that a pastor faces and so on. You, you get in a church and guess what? This is a real shocker, isn't it? You, you get into a church like we, uh, uh, we go to a church in our community near where I live now. And um, you get into a church and, and you, you find, oh my soul, there's problems in this church. Well, like, like the preacher says there, duh. I mean, you've been pastoring for a lot of years. You ought to know that, amen? And uh, now that you've come along, there's more problems. <laughs> so um, y you've, got, you've, got to have, you've got to have something to hold on to. I guess, that's, uh, I guess you hold on to the Bible. <laughs> that's the something, and there's someone. And every day when you, hey, this is the other thing. When you go to get out of bed, it's, it's more of a challenge at 77 than it is at 37. And uh, when, when you face some uh, illness along the way, I just had surgery on my knee and so on, it'd be so easy for me to, hey, to, to, to prop up my legs at home and put the big screen on and uh, just go to church in my, in my uh, sit on my yoga mat and with my baggy pants on and a, a cup of uh, brother preacher's coffee, that'd be easy. But to get, it's, it's work, frankly, to get up, to get dressed, get ready to go uh, with, with some pain. I, ca I can't, yet I still can't get in the car. Like I, to, I, have to, I have to, you know, do some maneuvering to get my leg in the car. And I, I can't, I'm restricted from driving, which just eats me alive. I've driven all my life. I used to be a paramedic, and uh, so I like driving. And uh, I like driving fast, but I, I, I can't drive now. And my wife has to show, you know how humbling that is? There's two, th there's two things that are extremely humbling, extremely humbling. One is my wife driving the car everywhere. But she was a school bus driver, so that's okay. The second thing is when we started the church, uh, my wife, for a, a short period of time, was the only other member of the church than me. That's a scary thought right there. When uh, you're, you finish the service, you finish your preaching, you give the invitation, and you meet the member at the door that has questions or comments <laughs> about your preaching. <laughs> that, that can be a problem right there. All I'm saying is, listen, stuff comes out of the woodwork that you never thought would happen. I'm telling you. And so the, the, the temptations are there. So what I'm saying by this is we're looking at the future. You just, it's one foot in front of the other, and it's head looking upward, wheels off the ground toward heaven, and you just keep on going. And this is helpful to me right here, but none of these things move me. There's a lot of things in the world right now, a lot of absolutely crazy things. Amen? I don't like the, the folks that have devastated our alphabet. You think that through, you'll get it in a minute. <laughs> they wrecked our alphabet. But you don't, you don't know what's coming down the pike next. You have no idea. So what you need to do is you need to lock into this. For This is for me. 
None of these things move me. None of these, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm Larry, I'm a Christian. My Heavenly Father is God. Christ is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my guide. Uh, I, have, I have a wife still to lead. Uh, I have uh, children that are watching me. I'm sure now watching me like a hawk. I have, uh, because the, guess what? They're in my will. <laughs> but they're, my grandchildren are watching me like a hawk. Uh, my grandchildren, uh, a few, three weeks ago, my grand, two of my youngest grandsons came to me and said, Grandpa, we want to take you to the, uh, to the uh, automotive show where there was motorcycles and ATVs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, you might have to carry me around. He said, that's okay. Because they knew that I'd buy them stuff there. But all I'm saying is you, you, you're, you're not, and, and okay, I, I may be the only retired guy for 10 years in here. But listen to this. God still has a purpose for you. And you're still laying, you're still laying out the carpet for the future. You're still laying the groundwork until you, matter of fact, <laughs> until they lower you beneath the sod. You hopefully by then have laid a good foundation. Apostle Paul, you know the words. I have fought a good fight. A good fight, okay? A lot of things not worth fighting over. I have finished my course. Step in. Step in the big hole. I have finished the race. Henceforth. Now I'm going to the other side. So, keep at it. And you, you, know, how you, you know how you finish up well? One day at a time. One day at a time. And the temptations will come. The temptations to, oh, I'll tell you what, I've been there. Uh, where I said, you know, I really don't want to, I really don't want to be that much involved in church anymore. But God hasn't given me that opportunity to back away. I, I uh, was telling Brother Bukit there, um, I call my ministry the spare tire ministry. And a uh, preacher said a while ago, it's a, it's a slow leak, but not a blowout. But sometimes it happens that somebody needs somebody, and I get the call, and I go do what I can to help. And it, it's humbling. I've preached in a church where I had to uh, make the order of service, uh, pick the hymns, lead the singing. Once, once church I preached in, I actually took up the offering. I was concerned about my love offering, so I took up the offering. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, seriously. My wife played the played the keyboard. I'm not. I'm not being critical in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying the pastor needed a break, and needed to get out of town. And we we lived in our. We did over at Brother Bukert's, Brother Isaac's, uh, lived behind the church in our camper, for several days. Because God opened up an opportunity. I'm not. Uh, I'm not one who can't do that, and that'll help to to keep you on the right track. So I suggest. You know, many of you have done this. You have a verse for the year, maybe so. That's, that's wonderful. You know something else? Can I throw this out while we're talking about this? Because we're talking about foundation for future generations. I did this recently. I, uh, I bought a brand new Bible, King James Bible. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Genuine leather. I believe it from cover to cover. And even the cover, I believe, because it's genuine leather. That's Alberta beef. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Black Angus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
<laughs> I read the Bible through. I read the Bible through from cover to cover because I knew what was coming down the pike. I preached one message from that Bible. I wrote a little blurb in the front of the Bible and I gave that to my oldest grandson. And I, on the way through, as I was reading, I underlined a lot of things and wrote some notes here and there. Uh, this will get you through. This is what you need. Uh, this will help. Made some notes through it, preached from it, gave it to my oldest grandson at his wedding with an outline that I, I don't know what he'll do with the outline. He's not a preacher. He's a, he works in a mine. He's a heavy-duty mechanic in a copper mine. That's a good thing to do, amen? Give a Bible. Oh, I gave him another gift as well, but a Bible. A Bible that you've spent some time in. Because there again, I'll, I'll be, should the Lord tarry his coming, I'll be long gone. He just got married this past September. And there will come times after I'm gone that he can't call Grandpa and ask him what to do. But he can go to a book that Grandpa left him. And it wasn't, it wasn't Dr. Phil. Is he still around? I don't know. Uh, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't something uh, off, the, off the shelf at, uh, down at the uh, library. But it's the book of God right here that he can use. That's a, that's a good thing to do right there. Amen. Now, again, I've learned some things from my dad. I did listen a little bit to my dad and learned some things from him. But to pave the way, how can you? You know, you, you preachers have heard the stories, I'm sure, of a Bible that sat on the, on the coffee table or a Bible that sat on a shelf somewhere and never cracked open. Matter of fact, somebody wrote a silly song about that. Dust on the Bible, dust on God's holy word. I don't know the song. That's all I know about it. But that's the truth right there. My dad used to joke about this. He said he'd visit in homes where uh, people were just starting to attend church and so on. He'd, he'd visit in homes and he'd go in. And uh, it was back in the days when they had those big catalogs for shopping and so on. And, you know, the, the dad would say to one of the kids, son, go get the book we all love. You know, thinking that he'd bring the Bible out, but he brought the, the Sears catalog out because <laughs> that's where they'd spent most of their time. Now, I know we're, we're far past that now. We do everything online, but, but that, that was the truth right there. And so the, the Bible, th there's things that, that I perhaps cannot convince my grandson to do, but I can leave something behind Amen. that he can't. He, he, he loves his grandpa, and he, he's wonderful to me, and we've had a great relationship over the years. But the truth is, I'll be gone someday, and should the Lord tarry, he needs that right there. Amen? So pick yourself a verse. Just it's, it's helpful along the way. It really is. And remember, as you move forward, God is not a touch-up artist. That's what I love about the Bible. You, you read about the, about the nastiness. Think about it. It's already been mentioned. Think about Moses. Moses killed a man and buried him in the sand. Yet God used him mightily. I think of David. I mean, well, we, we, we live there, don't we, in this day and time where uh, life is a mess. But God used David mightily. I think about every time we sing a song, I think of David because the largest book in the Bible is a song book. That's how important singing is. I like that you talked about that. And then Paul, a guy that went around killing Christians. 
Can, can you agree with me that those three men wrote most of the Bible? And yet God used them mightily. So the, Bible's got, the, Bible, the Bible has the answer. The Bible is the answer. And um, you need the word of God because I think it's already been mentioned again, hurt people hurt people. You need the word of God. Well, take our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. No, no, don't do that. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. Fellas, have you got that uh, picture back there of the, uh, the animal you got back there? There he is, right there. That is, <laughs> that is uh, Larry Arbo and his 5.7 Hemi Dodge truck. And that is Amigo right there. That's a picture of when Larry Arbo was pastoring. The picture meant a lot to me. Because sometimes it's a donkey's world when you're pastoring. <laughs> now, the second picture. This is when I retired. The second picture is when I retired. <laughs> right there. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I want to get out of this place. <laughs> um, oh boy! Take that down. I want to. I, I can't look at that for very long because uh, I didn't bring it with me to get home on. <laughs> I'm enjoying retirement. I really am. So, anyway. Well, the verse we read a while ago, let's look at it again. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray now that you would do that which only you can do. Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm weak, I'm frail. And Lord, I, I, I cannot do this on my own. Uh, I pray you'd help me. Help the words, help the thoughts. And I pray also the same for the hearers. Lord, that you'd have us uh, to have spiritual ears that are open and we would take what you are speaking to us about and do something with it, not just store it up. I pray that you'd help in this hour. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. When we retired, um, I had uh, made a decision to move just outside the city to live out in the country. We bought an acreage outside of, that's pretty rare outside of Vancouver to find an acreage, but we found one right near the U.S. border, and I thought with my bike and the border so close, if I want to escape, I can do that. Just kidding. But I, we, we brought some animals on the property, and some of you have heard me talk about this. We have alpacas. Do you know what alpacas are? Uh, their fleece is very valuable. We got them to eat the weeds on the property, five acres. I don't want to mow hay. I'll, I've got a tractor, but I, I, I like riding on that. And I can still ride that even with knee surgery. They'll let me drive that, but not the car. <laughs> and uh, so we brought, we've got hens on the property. I talked about that as well and other animals. But we brought the donkey on, the donkey you saw here. And, um, of course, animals eat, and they eat a lot. And uh, one particular day, I was out and picked up a load of hay in the back of the truck. I was bringing it home, and I have to drive through uh, two gates to get to a bit of a makeshift barn where I keep the hay. And so I drove up to the barn. I'm driving this this big Hemi truck, and I got I got a uh, truck horn on it, and it's got a big horn, and it's loud, and it's got big lights on it, and all that kind of stuff. And I drove up to the 
the gate, and Amigo was standing looking at me right at the gate. He knew there was hay on the truck. And I just rolled the window down. I said, Amigo, get out of the way. And he just stood there. Not flinched. I, I blew the horn. And it's a, a loud horn. Didn't, didn't, didn't move a muscle. I got out. I went up to the fence. I hollered at him. I said, Amigo, get out of the way. Not a thing. I opened the gate and picked up a two-by-four. <laughs> Is this re being recorded? I don't, want the, uh, I don't want PETA coming over here. I don't mind PETA rabbit, but I know. Uh, there's a place in Cranbrook called Pita Rapid. It's a pita shop. That's a genius name right there. I'm way off track. How do we get back on? Help me. <laughs> I pick up the two by four. I open the gate a crack because this guy had already escaped on me once before and headed to the highway at a high gallop. And I lifted the two by four and I said, Amigo, get out of the way. No one else was around to help me. Never moved. I opened the gate full. I get in the truck, revved it up, dropped it into drive. I drove right up to his nose. He refused to move. Not, you know, donkeys lots of times flick their ears. Didn't move a bit. And, you know, this is an amazing thing for me, and maybe not for you, but for me, this verse came to mind right here. <laughs> this is, this is, seriously. This is a, is a, a, if you know donkeys, this is a Jerusalem donkey. He's, he's a miniature donkey. You can, you can look it up. And he's a small donkey, full grown, but he refused to move. And these words echoed in my ear. None of these things moved me. I learned a biblical lesson from that dumb donkey that day. And I'm sitting, I got this massive big truck and blowing the horn, everything I did. You know, that tells me something right there. You'll have things coming at you that you don't know anything about, but you need to hold on to this verse right here. None of these things move me. You know the chorus, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Yes, sir. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall. Isn't it? Hey, I, I'm not the only guy that learned a lesson from a donkey, amen? But I did learn a lesson. I shall not be moved. So, with that in mind, I want to look at several things about the Apostle Paul that he would not be moved from. But I'm thinking of these. Let me give you this first. And again, a bit of a, a mumbo-jumbo. I, I wanted to say hash, but that's not a good word to say in church. So, <laughs> it's like, I'm from the 60s, amen? That's when I was a teenager growing up. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I remember I was, I was witnessing to a hippie one time, and, and uh, I said, uh, you know, we got talking about the gospel and so on. And, and uh, I said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he, he looked at me and he said, no man, no man. In other words, he didn't want to hear it, amen? That was his lingo, no man. <laughs> but listen to this. You older, older pastors, you mature pastors, you folks that are headed down the road, but still young pastors, you're laying a foundation. Just let me give you several things not related to the text, just some thoughts I got here, and then we'll move on with this. Number one, show your interest Show your interest in the, in the future, in the young guys that are headed toward the ministry. Show your interest and your enthusiasm. Now, it, it's okay, I'm an old guy, for me to stand up here and talk about some of the challenges of, of pastoring and so on, but I would do it over again in a heartbeat. Amen. 
There's no, there's no better life. And the truth is, I did have a, a, a very good life. I was a businessman when I just when I first got married. I mean, we bought our we bought our first home when we were when I was 23 years of age. Had two brand new cars in the yard. Had a lot of things going for us. I walked away from everything. 4,000 square foot home on five acres of property. Everything anybody could ever want. I walked. I lost interest in it. I walked away from it because God was calling me. Amen. And so I'm simply saying here. That you've got, you've, got to, you've got to show interest. And my pastor showed interest. When I, when I went to the church, now we called him before we attended the first time and asked him a bunch of questions. Do you have soul winning? Uh, uh, do you give invitations? All that kind of thing. And boy, when we got there, we set both feet down and we, we lingered right there until the Lord moved me on with his blessing and his support. So show interest. And then for, for young guys, for younger guys that are headed toward the ministry, how about this? Pray for them and pray for them by name. Ask them what the, I got a list at home. I've got 15 names on there that I pray daily for, send notes to them, and uh, do various things what I can do. And by the way, every time I, uh, I'm, I'm talking about a young man like this that, that uh, is in a, another church and so on, I always talk with his pastor. I don't talk to anybody that, uh, that where I don't talk to their pastor first. And I, I want the blessing of the pastor. All I'll do is just an old guy that talks about the ministry. But pray for them and pray for them by name for those who follow. And then you make sure, you make sure you stand. Stand, having done all to stand. Just stand where you are. First Corinthians tells us about that. It says, quit ye like men. In other words, act like a man. Can I, uh, do I have the liberty to say this? Act like a man. Amen. Don't act like a woman. Amen? Amen. You're not a <laughs> oh my soul. Amen, you know you're you, don't don't be a don't be a drama queen. Amen. I know some men that are. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Act like a man. Don't act like a woman. Don't oh, don't act don't act like a beast. You know the Bible talks about beasts. Don't act like a beast. In other words, treat your wife and your family with respect. You don't walk in and say, where's my lunch? I know pastors are busy, and we have, we have uh, a lot on our hearts and so on. And, and my soul, the, the difficulties, the, one of the biggest parts of the, of the ministry are difficulties and troubles and counseling with folks and all that, trying to put things back together again. But we're like all the king's horses and all the king's men. You couldn't put it back together again, but he can, and he will use you to do it. But don't don't act don't act like a woman don't act like a beast and, and don't act don't act like a boy. Oh, it's, it's not going over well. But you got you got to do it. Don't act like a boy. We we all get our feelings hurt, but I mean buck up and keep on going. Amen. Just just do it. You're 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 soldier in the Lord's army. We're referred to as soldiers as farmers. We just keep on going. Yeah, go. You know, if, I, if I, my heart is broken about something and, and I'm hurt and I'm offended, it may be a family member. It may be a, a friend. It may be something down at the church house. I've always been relatively fortunate where I've lived where I can find woods close by. I go out in the woods and I, oh, can I say this? I hug a tree and pray. <laughs> I don't hug that tree because I, I don't want it cut down. I have a fireplace at my place, okay? I hug that tree because God created that tree. <laughs> and he gave me something to hold on when I can't hug a friend and give them all my troubles. Oh, boy. Hug a tree. 
You're going to say, this guy's off his rocker, yeah. I'll say amen. How about supporting pastors and churches that are standing firm on the word of God? King James Bible preaching churches where, where they have out, outreach and soul winning and bus ministry if possible and, and uh, standards and all that good stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of guys that are misguided and misled by what goes on at church. Unfortunately, we're falling into that trap to support those churches. I say this as an older guy, and I'm, I'm the oldest guy, so I can say it. Don't be a grouch like I am. Don't be, don't be a grouch, okay? <laughs> oh, my soul. It's like the guy went into the restaurant and sat down, and he, he looked pretty grouchy, and the, the uh, waitress came up, and uh, she said, Hi, sir. And he said, Do you serve crab? She said, oh, I will now. <laughs> no, because to be honest, again, I ha again, this is something, preacher, this is something I have to fight because I can be grouchy. When you get older, hey, whenever, when, when the, the elbows uh, hurt and the neck hurts and the feet hurt and uh, the eyes don't work like they used to and the, the ears, the hearing, like in, in a crowd, I have a I have very good hearing, apparently, but in a crowd, I sometimes I can't hear what people are saying. I say, what do you say? What do you say? Don't be a grouch. Now, I know you'll apply this later, okay? But <laughs> don't, don't be, because there's, there's too many grouchy people in the world as it is. Just don't be a grouch. Be open. Um, be careful. Be careful of giving your, to, to young, younger guys that are head toward the ministry. Or, by the way, those whom you help. Um, the Bible talks about this. Uh, talks about, matter of fact, uh, remember when David was uh, uh, summoned? His dad told him, he said, "I want you to take some cheese and crackers to your boys. Your brothers are out in, in the army and they're fighting and they're having a rough time out there. And so you go out there." And so he left his sheep and went out and and uh, took some stuff. And you know what happened? Um, he 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 went there and he said, "My soul, what's going on? Why is this happening? His brothers are hiding in the dust somewhere." And uh, Eliab, his older brother, says, what are you doing out here? Who do you think you are? You think you're a hero? Go, go look after the sheep. David, in his mind, I'm sure, said this. He said, These sheep aren't, those sheep aren't as important as the honor of God. This is not good. So what's going on? And Eliab, of course, he said, Ah, oh, you're, you're naughty. You're proud. You, who do you think you are? And very interesting, won't turn to it, but the Bible states just in a few verses after the little lecture from Eliab to David, it said, David went to another. In other words, it was someone else. Da David was doing what, first of all, he's doing what his father told him, yes, number one. Well, that's a good thing right there. And he, was, he, he saw, he, he had the spiritual discernment to see this wasn't right. There's no way this loudmouth giant should be out here cursing God and making light of God and making light of God's people. He wasn't going to stand for that. Where his brothers were hiding somewhere in the trenches, apparently. So he said, he went to another. And can I challenge you, well, any pastor, but especially pastors who've been in a short period of time, you've been in a very short period of time, find, this is good, find yourself another. 
The critic, who, who in this room, who in this room as a pastor has not been criticized? Maybe when you started out in ministry, where, again, preacher talked about it, about somebody meeting you at the door all the time and correcting you. And I, I think probably every pastor has experienced some of that, where uh, someone's always uh, uh, straightening something out. Someone's always trying to, to help uh, to improve things. And someone's always got an idea uh, for a ministry and so on, but they have no interest in being involved in it at all. I learned to say that. Someone told me about some ministry. I said, when are you ready to start yeah, that? Absolutely. <laughs> but find, you know, there, there is. There, you, you can, if you discern, you can find another. You can find someone who will lift it. That's why I said you, you be connected with pastors and churches that are on the up that are excited about being there, excited about ministry, excited about coming to church, excited about uh, the preaching of the Word of God, excited about invitation time, for crying out loud, excited about an invitation time when people can respond. You'll find, you'll find an encourager right there. There's encouragers in this room. I couldn't name them. I don't want to leave anybody else. I'm careful about that. But there are encouragers, guys that have been in the ministry for long periods of time, and would love to be an encouragement to you. So open yourself up to them. You say, well, he's got some different thoughts than I. Again, to quote the preacher of the hour, duh. <laughs> I mean, really, God made us all different. Like the, uh, like the sand of the seashore. I used to say, I used to say God made us all different like snowflakes. I don't use that anymore. <laughs> oh, my soul. <laughs> that old man just said something back there. <laughs> he sees the aisle? Maybe he'll walk it. <laughs> oh, my soul. I'm totally lost now on this. But this is fun. Hey, maybe we ought to laugh a little bit. You know, if, if you, you, you've heard it said, but I'll go ahead and say it again. See you later. <laughs> if you can't laugh at church, but you can laugh outside there, there's something wrong. You're laughing at the wrong stuff. Just saying. Don't be a grouch. Don't, uh, don't be so uh, ready to give a piece of your mind. My mama used to tell me, if that's the last piece you have, don't give it away. <laughs> You know, you say, well, I just, you know, over there at the uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church, they had that conference and so on, and it just, the, the stage looked like a mess. Well, hey, any, any place that's, that's building, there's some stuff around. There's some staging around. There's some mud on the boots, and there's boots on the ground. So just keep it to yourself. As I said, I can go back to this and say, pray. How about just praying? How about praying for, like, not just once a day, but maybe several times a day? I do, I do admit I have a little more time on my hands now. Once I get Amigo looked after and the alpacas and the hens and deal with the brooding hens, uh, I, I make time. Sometimes, sometimes the nights are short. And that's, you know what, when I'm, I'm awake, when you get my age, you're awakened a lot the, through the night. It just happens, two or three hours sleep, and then you wake up and so on. I, I, lear I learned a long time ago, when I can't go to sleep, that's a call to prayer right there. Yeah. I can talk to God, and I do not, 
I do not believe, although I'm sure someone will come up with a verse, but I do not believe it's offensive to God if I fall asleep while I'm talking to him. I've sat at the, uh, I've sat at the, uh, at the side of a hospital bed and talked to folks who are bad sick. And I've been talking to them, and because of medication, they've fallen asleep. That doesn't offend me at all. Matter of fact, I've sat beside them when they've taken their last breath. Never forget, we had a man, a wonderful man, part of our church. And um, we visited my son, my youngest son, and I uh, visited him at the hospital. My youngest son was my assistant pastor for 12 years, a graduate of Howells Anderson College. And we're sitting there, and the man is singing. We're singing, what a day that will be. We're singing the song. My Jesus, I will see. When I look upon his face, you know the song. We're into the second verse. There'll be no sorrow there, no more parting over there. And forever I will be. The man passed away while we were singing. And I thought, hallelujah. Huh. So, yeah, pray. And something else. This is a no-brainer. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change. I know you got to change your socks, but don't change your Bible, for crying out loud. Don't change your convictions. Don't change your direction. None of these things move me. Don't change. Be kind. Yeah. Be kind to, you know, everybody's having a bad day. Be kind to, it doesn't matter who they are. Be kind. I went to buy, oh, the, uh, uh, the washer at home uh, kicked out on us and refused to work and my wife likes me to wear clean clothes most of the time. <laughs> so I had to do something about it. Like I would, I wear cargo pants a lot around the farm and boots and so on. And I, th I think they're good for a week. She doesn't think so. She thinks because I wear them for a week, I'm very weak. I said, oh, I smell pretty strong. <laughs> but I went to, I went to, uh, um, called Rona now, I guess Lowe's out our way. And I went in there and I, I went back to the appliance department, and I saw the guy said, appliance manager. And I thought, that's good. There's the guy I want to talk to. I want something that, I want a, an end of the line, something they're clearing out. It's brand new, but they're, they're clearing it out and so on, and usually I can find something like that. And so his name was Mohammed. And um, he said, sir, can I help you? And I told him. He said, you know what? He said, I, ha I have something here, but I've got to go to the warehouse to check. He said, sometimes the computer says that we got it in stock, but it, when it's only one, we, uh, as a rule, we, we, we go check that every time. And he, went, he started out there, and he got a call back to the desk. And before I knew it, there were six people in the lineup. And they're all uh, clamoring to talk to him and so on and so forth. And I went up and said to him, I said, sir, I said, you deal with these other people. You go ahead and talk to them. I'll, I'll go. I went, I went and sat on a, a box of a, a, a washer that hadn't been unpacked yet. I sa I'll, I'll cut the story short. I sat on that box for two and a half hours while he dealt with, his, with issues and people coming in. You know why? I wanted him to be able to go out to the warehouse and put his hand on that washer out there, or the, the washer that I wanted. 
So he came back to me and said, I apologize. He said, I'm sorry. And by the way, other staff members came while I was sitting there and said, can we help you? I said, no, Mohammed, the, the, the appliance manager's looking after me. And uh, they said, okay. So he came to me and said, he said, you know what? He said, uh, it's my break right now, and I pretty well have to take my break on time. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I waited around here for you, and I have no problem. But I said, where do you go for break? And he said, well, there's a picnic table set up at the back, and they have a little uh, roof over it and so on. And I said, can I join you there? And we'll, we'll just chat. I said, would, that wouldn't be interfering with your lunchtime, would it, your break time? And he said, no. He said, that'd be great. I went out there. I sat down. He got his lunch out. Mohammed got his lunch out and his coffee. And he offered me a coffee, which I took. <laughs> I was able to give the guy the gospel on his break because he was relaxed, no pressure, and willing to listen to the clown that sat on the box for two and a half hours because I was waiting for him to do something for me. I called my wife and I said, please pray. Pray for Mohammed. I'm going to have a break with him. I might be able to give him the gospel. And sure enough, all I'm saying is patience. And you need that same patience with those who you work with, those who you mentor as, as you're laying that foundation for those who follow. They're not, they're not clones. They won't be like you. And aren't you thankful about that? Because <laughs> you, you know your shortcomings. But be Be flexible. Be flexible. Live by example. Be kind. You know, being kind, I think, being kind, and again, Brother Wilkerson's hammered this over and over and over again. Be kind because that opens the door for an opportunity to witness to somebody out there who's not saved. But it opens the door also. You know what? Sometimes Christians get offended and drop out of church. You know that? Gives you an op when you're kind to somebody. And he's given example as after example of that. And so you really, you really believe this, don't you? Yeah. Be kind. Live by example. How about this? Leave a good taste in their mouth about the ministry. Well, you don't know what you're facing. Well, people chew you up and spit you out. You don't, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. I think it was Brother Hiles that said, someone came to him one time and said, well, you're just, uh, you're, you're, you're just, they're just using you. They're just using you. You're just being used by people. I mean, you're running here, running there, just, just being used by people. And his answer was this. I think that's what the Bible says I'm supposed to be, used. Oh, to be used of thee. Yeah. You know, very interesting, isn't it? Amen. Just be used. And then finish up well. Finish up well. You, you do that, and, and again, you do that on purpose. You finish up well on purpose. Amen? You do it one, you do it one day at a time. Brother Evans is right. You do it one day at a time. You actually, sometimes when you get older, you do it one step at a time. The steps, the, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen? So steps, one foot in front of the other. That's pretty well that simple. Well, let's finish up here. We've got about five minutes left, but let me look back at this verse again. Apostle Paul, 
None of these things move me. What a man, what a Christian, what a servant, what a preacher, what a missionary. I would not want to be standing behind the Apostle Paul at the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> I, just, I would not want to be there after this man stands there. And he's not, he's not boasting here. He said, this is inspired of the word of God here. When he said, none of these things move me. And I'd like to ask the question, Paul, what are these things? Very quickly, let's look at some of them. What are these things, Paul? Well, verse number 24, Paul would not be moved from his purpose. Paul would not be moved from his purpose to finish his course. Verse number 27, Paul would not be moved from his preaching. What does verse number 27 say? Let's look at it. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. In season, out of season, so on and so forth. He said, I, I will not be moved. My preaching is not going to change. It ought to, it ought to pick up over time. Amen? Amen. It, ought to, it ought to be going in the right direction. Not compromise because the world's compromising. No. Preaching, he, he would not back up on that. Verse number 26. Paul would not be moved on his personal witness. Wherefore I take to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. He said, I'll not be moved from this. He said, they can, they can do what they want to me. I've been thrown in prison. I've been beat up. I've been abused. I've been tortured. But I'm not going to stop witnessing. You know, you say, I haven't had a lot of doors slammed in my face. Well, I guess the most brutal thing I've had is when preaching, on the, when I first came to Vancouver, I was challenged by a, a guy, a, a pastor that uh, retired early and was just fed up with the ministry. And he said, yeah, he said, I want to challenge you. Go downtown Vancouver and preach on the corner. And I thought, that rascal's not going to get me. I'm going to do that. So I took a bunch of tracts, took my two oldest sons. I put them across the street. And I said, when the traffic light changes and turns red, you get into that crowd and you start passing them out the tracts. Because they can't cross the street. They can't go anywhere. And I had some tracts on my side. I gave tracts to folks. that They arrived over there. And I got my Bible open. And I'm preaching away. And I'm passing out tracts. And people crumple them up throw them at my feet or swear at me or whatever. But you know what? That didn't stop me. That challenged me. I thought, I can find a corner somewhere. Yes, Tyler, you would know that Maine and Hastings, one of the most notorious corners in all of uh, British Columbia, maybe in all of Canada, where people live on the street right there and drugs are sold. It's a mess. But I found people there that take the tracts. So I started preaching there. So he would not, he would not change in the preaching. He would not be moved. He would not be moved on his personal witness. He would not be moved from his plan. Look at verse number 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. That was his plan. And he, he would not be moved from his plan. Simply straightforward. Then verse number 19. Look at verse number 19. There's several things in this verse. Verse number 19 says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many, notice that, many tears. Not a few tears, many tears. He says, Which befell me by the lying of weight of the Jews. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the next verse. Let me finish off verse number. No, it's the right verse. Which befell me by the lying in weight of the Jews. So, a couple things here. He would not be moved by tears. Understand, those are not, those weren't tears of, They don't like me here. No, there weren't those tears. Or tears of, of the abuse and the hatred that he observed and so on. And, and tears, I bet, I, I, I believe this. Tears about the fact that he was so obsessed, and this portion tells us about this, so obsessed with getting the gospel and the right gospel, the one gospel, to people that his heart was broken and he shed tears. 
When's the last time you've cried over a lost soul? He said, I've had sorrows. I don't know about you as, as pastors, but I've had people that have, have had something nasty happen in their life, and they've shed tears, and we've worked with them and helped them. But I would think of one lady in particular, and this is not only the first time I've heard of this, but one lady lost her husband. And, you know, the truth is that people, some of her family members got saved at the funeral. But she stopped coming to church. And she said this. She said, I was taught from the Bible at the church that God controls our lives and God could have saved my husband's life and he didn't. And I'm not going back. Sad, isn't it? But the Apostle Paul would not be moved because of his tears. People do drift away because of sorrow. No question about it. But you know what my Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10? Be thou faithful unto until tears, until somebody doesn't like me, or until somebody is unkind to me. No, be thou faithful unto death. You know what that means? That means going to church. That means singing at church. That means praying. That means attending. That means reading your Bible. That means witnessing. That means tithing. I mean, be faithful unto death. Just be faithful in the whole thing. Stick to it. I think it's the late Dr. Curtis Hudson says this. He said, the one reason a postage stamp is so successful is it sticks to one thing. Yeah. Well, it's the truth. He said this. He said, I will not be moved regarding temptation and trials. Verse number 19 again speaks of this. We all have them. We all have the trials. We all have the tests. He said, that's not going to, none of these things move me. None of these things I talked about. He said, these won't move me. My trials will not move me. I mean, what would you do? Look at the verse again, please. The last part of the verse. It says, um, I came into Asia after the manner I have been uh, with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and, look, and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. They were going to kill him. How, what would you do if someone, some wacko, knew that you were going to be attending the meeting tonight and you got word that if you showed up here, they were going to shoot you? What would you do? Well, you'd, you'd call the police, and you'd do this, and you'd do that, and you'd say, oh, I'm not going. I can watch it online. Well, there's a good idea right there. He, he, he said it didn't matter. And this happened more than once that his life was threatened, but it didn't matter. He said, I'm not, I'm not concerned about this. None of these things move me. Verse number 19 also speaks of opposition. The Jews were after him. They wanted to kill him. Huh. One instance, he had to be, he had to be lowered down by a basket. That was the first basket case in the Bible. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, uh, I had to say it. I got it in my notes here. <laughs> we, are, we are so weak and, and raise the white flag so quickly. I know I'm being, yeah. All I'm saying is, you know, buck up. Let's, w w hey, if you love the Lord, you love the church, you believe that Christ died for the church, as the Bible says, so you want it to go on after you leave. So therefore, you lay that foundation out now so you leave a good taste in the, in the mouth of the next guy that's coming along and says, man, this pastor was just, he was, he was eat up with the church. He wasn't eat up by the church. He was eat up with the church. And we're just really excited about, about everything about the Lord's work. Verse number 22 
Look at it, please. And now, behold, I go bound into the, uh, in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that, I, that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. Opposition did not stop him. He said, I'll not be, I'll not be moved. Future danger, future, get that? Future danger did not stop him. Disappointment did not stop him. Demas hath forsaken me. Well, let me give you, our time's gone, so look at the verse again. I'll give you three things. I call this the eyes of Paul. Not the, not the eyes that he had some issues with. Maybe you see what a large letter I write. Maybe he had some eye problems. But the eyes meaning me. He says it three times in the verse that we read a while ago. He says, but none of these things move me, neither count I, right there, my life dear unto me. He said, this is my life, and I'm the only one that can do something with my life, and I'm not going to let these things move me. I would love to be able to uh, direct my wife's life, but I can't do that. I've got a wonderful wife that's very supportive of me and wonderful. I'd like to direct the lives of my children and my grandchildren and uh, some of the, my uh, church members when I was a pastor and so on, but I can't do that. I have my life. And you know the saying, only one life will soon pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. So it's your life, so you determine. That's why you can determine, I'll not be moved. This is my life. I don't have to move if I don't want to move, in other words. He said, I can, I, it, it's my life. You can't do anything about anybody else's life. It would be a great thing. We always have the answer for somebody else and somebody else's problems and somebody else's issues and somebody else's direction, but it's me. It's my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. My life, it's mine. It's nobody else's, it's mine. Now I know I am his and he is mine. I understand all that, but he said, my life, I have this one life and there's something I can do. I'm not gonna let anything move me because I am in control of my own life in what I do for the Lord. Very interesting. Francis Haverhill wrote this song that I quoted just a moment ago, Take My Life and Let It Be. And the, uh, the individual became very convicted when they were writing the song about the fourth verse, they penned the verse and it troubled them. The verse goes like this. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. They stopped writing the hymn, convicted, sold some of their possessions and sent to missionaries, supported missionaries on the mission field, then wrote the rest of the song. It's a story I read about it. Isn't that interesting? Huh. So, the test is this. If there's anything you would not do for Christ, if he wanted you to and you knew it, then you're not surrendered. Just saying. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So, number one, my life. Secondly, my course. And again, Brother Wilkerson mentioned this, I believe. My race course. Paul knew about the Greek games. And again, I, I've watched a lot of that stuff. My, my children are very athletic. They all played hockey and football and baseball and so on. And I like to watch the Olympics and so on. I notice when you're, when you're running, when you're running that race, you have your lane. And truth, that's where we get in a lot of trouble. We switch lanes. 
Run, your, run in your lane. You have, and and, and you, you said it, preacher. Everybody can win. There doesn't have to be anybody losing out of this because it's your race. It's your life. It's your race. You run the race because of others that come behind and because of those witnesses. Now, we have a greater cloud of witnesses and so on. You run a race. And by the way, the race is not against others. The race is against time and the race is against Satan. Stay in your lane. And then lastly, he said, it's my ministry. So I have this ministry. I have this course. I have this life. That's why he could say, none of these things move me. It's all about, in, in this case, it sounds funny to say this, but it's all about me. It's my life. It's my race. It's my ministry. And I'm going to be a good steward of those three things. Put, put forth the gospel. Matter of fact, he made it very clear. There was false gospel being preached. And he said, let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. Let them be damned for preaching a false gospel. I'm going to do everything as long as I have breath to preach the gospel of God, the gospel of the word of God. Paul, what kept you from quitting? My life, my course, and my ministry. Pretty simple. It's, a, it's an outline already prepared there right in your Bible. But understand, there, should the Lord tarry is coming, there is a future. And you folks are laying the foundation now. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to determine by your grace and by your power that we will do what we can do and what you have given us to do, that we won't look to the left, won't look to the right, but we'll be like the Apostle Paul. None of these, none of these things move me. And we'll bring glory and honor to you, for it's in your name I pray, preacher. Amen.